Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben, and welcome to episode 265 of the podcast for October 12th, 2016. Joining me today is Bernita Beichmann. She is a principal and director of Lean Strategy at HKS, an international architecture firm. Bernita is originally from Kansas and has a Bachelor of Architecture degree from Kansas State University and a certificate in regional and community planning. She moved to Dallas in 1996, has been employed by HKS uh, since that time. Now, Bernita and I first crossed paths a few years ago. We had the opportunity to work together on a project for Riley Hospital for Children in Indianapolis to work with staff and leaders on designing parts of a new hospital tower using lean principles, incorporating workflows and lean design. You can read uh, a bit about that in uh, a link that is on uh, the page for this episode at leanblog.org slash 265. There are links uh, to uh, the Lean Construction Institute, the, uh, the book, The Toyota Way, that Bernita used originally to learn about lean, and a more recent book, about the work at Akron Children's Hospital, uh, a book called Lean Operations, Lean Design, Lean Construction, Building a Lean Hospital Facility. And if you go to that page, again, at leanblog.org 265, there's a link to uh, download a PDF of the new chapter in the third edition of my book, Lean Hospitals, on uh, these principles of lean design. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. And as always, thanks for listening. Bernita, hi. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast today. Thanks, Mark. It's good to be here. So if you can you know, start off, it'd be interesting to hear about some of your professional background and, and what you do and, and maybe also kind of then segue into you know, how, as an architect, you first got exposed to lean. So I will give you my lean life story. It's um, probably about eight or nine years ago. Um, I remember I had a, a child right before it, so that helps to remember the timeline. Um, I had a client who requested that we transition a project from a traditional project structure to a lean project delivery method. And um, because of that, they, um, the client educated the entire team. Um, we, you know, read Toyota the Toyota way together. We did some other studies together. We ended up um, completing that project using lean project delivery, tried to improve the way we did work. And I think it opened the eyes of everyone on the team that even though we thought we were doing a great job, everyone was a, was a professional in their field mm-hmm. and had good reputation as doing um, a great job that we could actually do better, and not only by ourselves, but our, by our clients as well. So I did a little bit more education on my own and um, was fortunate enough to work on several other projects that were not only doing it um, for the design and construction delivery of the project, but also in their internal operations as well. So many healthcare systems who were looking at how they could actually deliver care differently, um, how they could improve um, both the patient experience and the staff experience um, within hospital facilities. So I started jumping in to get in a little bit um, deeper education myself, um, reading as much as I could, both offered by Lean Enterprise Institute, classes I could take, 
and then I think the, the last big education was about years ago. I completed my um, Lean Six Sigma black belt um, just so that I not only could continue the work on projects, but also um, be a leader in my organization to actually do improvements within how we deliver projects regardless of delivery type and um, how we even treat our staff. So it's been a great experience for me to just improve myself and get the opportunity to improve my industry and my organization. Yeah. And and maybe if you can give a little bit of background, um, you know, to the, the type of work you do as an architect, uh, how would you describe or compare and contrast, you know, what you called that traditional model um, for working with a client to uh, a lean project delivery model. There might be listeners who don't know that term even. But I mean, how, how, people who've never worked with um, architects and um, that redesign or construction process, how would you compare and contrast the old way and the lean way? So um, I probably didn't mention this, but I am an architect in the state of Texas. I've been um, a architect with HKS 20 years. I had my 20-year anniversary in June. Um, so most people, I think, have some kind of familiarity with a traditional uh, construction process, whether they've had it, you know, a sidewalk poured in the yard or an improvement done on their house. And and usually the process is, is you either have an idea of what you want or you hire a design professional to help you with um, that idea of what you want. And you might have an agreement with that design professional, um, and then you independently hire construction professionals to build it. So right away, you have two big giant silos. You have the people that designed the project for you, and you have the people that are going to build the project for you. And sometimes even people that are building the project, or most of the people that are building the project actually have multiple other contracts with other organizations that are doing, especially when you have a big project, doing other pieces of the work. So if it's on your house, you might hire a, a general contractor to actually build your house or renovate your house, but they will still hire someone to do the floor, they'll hire someone to do the plumbing, they'll hire someone independently. So now we have even more silos of people who are doing work, not necessarily knowing what your vision is as a homeowner or a business owner, um, not understanding all of that. But they're all trying to perform the trying to perform the work based on what they feel. So using Lean actually aligns all those different groups to work together, and it allows people to have a shared idea of what what the client and the end customer actually wants. It allows them to look at it from a different perspective um, and work together um, differently. So oftentimes, projects that are delivered in a lean way. Um, it's a team approach to delivering a project. You often get um, a better aligned vision to what you really want, and you get that better aligned vision for a much better price, and often with better quality, just because you removed all those separate silos and you allow people to work together in the, in the, in the best way possible. So in the traditional model, I guess you know, some of the point, pain points for the, the client more specifically, it's not just the... I guess, you know, the, the, the process pain point of they don't understand our vision or people are working in silos. Does that lead to 
I guess, you know, the slow delivery, uh, missing deadlines, going over cost, not not quite translating the needs uh, into what's actually built, problems like that. Well, if you think about just uh, just the the simple contrast between something like single piece flow and batch flow, so single piece, the, the lean mindset actually creates the better opportunity for single piece flow because you all those different companies are are brought together to create the best process initially to deliver the project in a way that's most cost-effective and gets the best value. Whereas a traditional model, all I care about is my contract when I produce, and I'm going to produce everything that I need to produce at the time that's convenient for me. So it's more of a, uh, of a batch thrown into the system, and it lands where it, it needs to land. And yes, there's coordination um, involved at, at some level, but the introduction of lean into that overall process um, helps create a, a better mindset to deliver that project um, more effectively. I mean, part of what you're describing, I mean, it sounds like there's almost some uh, good parallels to somebody trying to navigate the healthcare system as a patient. They may be dealing with a lot of individual silos, and you know, like you said, everyone's individually doing their best or, you know, trying to, uh, you know, meet their own goals, but they, they're having to coordinate their own care. And is that addressed, jumping back to architecture, um, you know, through this lean project delivery model of the client, not being the only one who's trying to manage all the silos? Yeah. And I think, I think really there, there's a lot of really good parallels between um, the health history and design and construction. Most, like if you think about in terms of there's people that supply a product to a hospital and there's people just that distribute the product within the hospital. But really what the patient cares cares about is, you know, getting the equipment and the and the medicine to make them feel better so they can go home. So that's the most important part of that. But you have all these outside factors that are supplying these equipment and and, and materials in different ways and a lot of times those different systems don't even talk to each other or they've never even had a about how they're going to work together, right? Um, and that's that's really what we're doing um, by combining lean operations and, and lean design and construction is actually uh, facilitating sessions where suppliers and equipment providers and staff and uh, in a lot of cases representation from patients and families have conversations about what is the best methods um, for a patient to receive care. And, of course, with staff input as well as what is the safest way for them to deliver that care as well. And then facilitating an environment that supports that. So if I've decided, for instance, that the best, the best way to reduce errors and the best way to deliver patient care is by having medicine at the bedside, that means I'm going to design a patient room in a different way and I will design medication rooms in a different way. And I may design storage rooms in a different way to actually um, gather the materials as they come into the building. So there's a direct correlation to the work that that the operational improvement work that our clients do and the built environment. And the built environment can support it in a way that allows for flexibility and can actually uh, make it perform better operationally. So I mean, you, you've touched on. A little bit about how this process works of you know getting 
um, staff involved, understanding staff needs and, and what they want and need to do with the patient. Can you maybe kind of step back and kind of walk through the lean project delivery model if uh, an organization is getting started in, let's say, uh, you know, a major redesign of a space or building a new tower or building a new site. Can you kind of walk through how that process works at a high level? How do you help um, coordinate that as the architect? So usually the first question that we ask, and sometimes they, the organizations, if they do have a, a lean operational improvement program in place, already have a first step of this, is we want them to understand how they're operating now and why they're operating that way. Because a lot of times, um, if we if we walk like in a uh, non-lean design um, way, we'll walk in and offer solutions to problems they have without understanding what the problem is in the first place. Um, so I might walk in, and the easiest thing for me to pick on is, um, you know, workstations on wheels. I, the facility could tell me I hate workstations on wheels. And we could say, okay, well, we just won't put, put them in the new facility and I'm going to walk in day one and have designed a patient floor that doesn't contain them. What we really want them to understand is how they're doing things now and why they're doing them that way. And then we want to think about um, what their future state is going to be, understanding understanding. Um, the cultural norms that they have in place in their community, understanding things that are, are out there uh, as far as new trends or, or new um, technology, and start to think about what, what could be their ideal and what could be their future state. And then we'll often come and do presentations on, on trends that we're seeing in the industry, or we may take them on site tours of of other facilities that are newer or that are that have a model, just to give them different ways to think about um, how facilities working are, are working. Because sometimes, you know, if I've worked my entire career in a certain facility, I might not understand the possibilities um, that exist if the equipment was different or the technology was different or um, any number of factors. So we have we have those initial discussions. We might do visioning sessions to to understand what their their vision and goals are for the new facility, and then we'll uh, usually take them on um, either a small or a large version of a three P process, um, which a production preparation process or a people preparation process, where we do rapid prototyping of different options for the design of a space. And it's very interactive. It could be, um, we use the staff as part of that, but it's it's kind of rapid fire looking at different options and asking a lot of questions on adjacencies and, and overall um, space allocation for different um, possibilities. And a lot of times we'll, we'll um, create either small versions of, you know, for instance, if we were doing a, a patient for we might immediately start creating different um, mock-ups of that patient, but some facilities we've mocked up entire departments. And we'll do that rapidly. We might look at three to four different mock-ups of their department in a week-long period. And the way we can do that is because we make out of things like cardboard. Um, four by eight sheets of cardboard um, can be configured easily. People can walk through it much like they would walk through something 
you know, a month before they open and do day in the life training or they're doing initial training for, they do things like, okay, what happens in this room if there's a code? And they run through that scenario and, and what happens in this room if um, you need to do an, uh, actually a, a OR procedure with an emergency procedure in this room. Do you have enough space? Do you have the right equipment? Do you have um, the right adjacencies to elevators or, or um, medicine or supplies? And that allows us to make to observe and make adjustments to the plans to before they actually even exist. <laughs> so if you can think about that from a construction perspective, a lot of traditional projects will do that kind of training and do those kind of observations um, after the keys are turned over or when construction is about finished. Um, we had one client who did that kind of training and ended up moving some rooms multiple times. Um, they specifically moved their, moved their meds room three times before they opened, which costs hundreds of thousands of dollars for them to do that because they were about to open. Whereas we're doing this with cardboard, cardboard we can rip it down and physically just move it over in the matter, of, the matter of an hour. And then they can run that test again and see if they've actually improved um, their output. And, you know, they, they uh, it's very effective in terms, terms of staff understanding the space as well because a lot of times, actually most times, um, staff are not familiar with looking at drawings. So um, expecting them to understand much less comment on a two-dimensional line drawing of a space is not nearly as effective as saying, you understand your job. Here it is in three dimensions um, to scale. Go take care of a patient and see if it works. And yep. we're able to add details, make adjustments um, on the fly quite easily before we even draw anything. So beyond that, then it even, I mean, there, you can go into other, other layers of how we work with the design, the, the rest of the construction team where we might pull in the people that are actually building um, the, the drywall trades or the, the window trades that, that are actually building some of these things and have them come up with different ways for us to make adjustments to, to save cost on the project. And sometimes that saving cost on the project actually lets our clients um, maybe buy better equipment than they could before or maybe that we're just making improvements to the physical environment that so something like uh, changing you know vinyl tile to rubber flooring which is actually better for the staff that's working on it long term and it's quieter for the patient so there's there's a lot of different trade-offs we can do when we start pulling the normally siloed groups in and having honest discussions about how we build things and how, how much things cost so that we can improve the value and quality of the overall project so so when a you, lot of information. Yeah, but you know, there's you've you've touched on a lot of the highlights. I Maybe mean, we can come back and dig okay. into some of those aspects a little bit more. But you know, you, you highlight, you know, the the teamwork, the iterative process, um, you know, breaking down silos as you mentioned earlier. Um, when how does the role of the construction company change in this LPD? process? Uh, is it more collaborative with the construction company as opposed to, I don't know if this was the case in the past, of doing the design and then kind of throwing it over the wall and saying, here, you build it? Can you talk about some of the teamwork and collaboration that you would hope so, to see? Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, it's, traditionally, it's, it's pretty much 
we have to, the design professionals have to get to a certain point where the construction professionals, sometimes they comment on constructability, but most often it's cost, and it's very much thread over the wall, find out where we are, throw it back over in us, oftentimes having to strip out things to get it into cost. So by inviting them into the process, there, there may be small changes that we can make that don't affect operations, but that significantly change, change um, cost. So everything from, you know, reducing angled walls, reducing um, constructability, actually even sometimes improving the ability for the actual construction to be safer. Uh, there are things that we can do on how we detail different elements in the building to make it safer to construct so that they actually improve labor during construction, which yeah. overall can reduce cost. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's fairly complex, but by working together with them, both from an estimating perspective and from a constructability perspective, um, there's a lot of improvements we can make as an industry that ultimately lead to our end customers getting more for their money. Right. Well, and when you talk about getting more for their money, I think you've brought up this idea um, a couple times already. There's a big difference between, I think as you just put it, stripping out cost and reducing waste and, and saving money in a way that doesn't leave people feeling like they actually got less value from their their building. That seems like a, a really nice common core lean mm -hmm. principle there of reducing waste instead of just cutting costs. Is there anything you, you could say to elaborate on that idea? Uh, well, and I think it's also giving um, the, the client and end users enough information to make the right decision. Mm -hmm. Because if, if I go and, you know, if I go and ask a nurse um, that's working in an ED, um, what kind of door do you want? They might pick the most, the most expensive door that's out there. So they might want an automatic glass slider that allows them to see in the room, that um, has integral blinds and and all this great stuff. If I ask them, compared to the cost of that door and this piece of equipment that allows you to, um, if we take the five thousand dollars of the door instead and apply it to a five thousand dollar piece of equipment that can provide better patient care, there's a greater chance that they they would pick the best thing for the patient. Now, in some cases, it might be the door. But other cases, it might be that piece of equipment. But us having those conversations in the, in the room um, about safety things for patients, better care, um, safety things for staff, gives them the right information to make the best decision. Whereas sometimes, if, if we can't include them because it's six months after the users are even involved when we find out we have a cost issue, we might the overall team might have to make hard decisions without that direct input. And I would rather have their input on making those decisions. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like, is there a parallel to medicine where, you know, I think the old, there, there's tension sometimes with the old model is the patient just tells the doctor, well, you tell me what to do. You're the expert as opposed to a model, a more engaged patient model of, you know, providing information, alternatives to that patient, sometimes taking the financial considerations into account and, and letting the patient be more of a partner, um, helping the patient make that decision. Um, that, that strikes me as um, similar 
to what you're describing? Is, is there sort of an old model where the client would say, for better or for worse, hey, you're the architect. Do you tell me how to do it as opposed to collaborating? Right. And, you know, we, we still see a little of that um, because there are still clients who are like, well, you're the experts. You know, we want, we want to the, the top of the line thing. But there are so many different facets to it, so much like you're if I can if I can get staff buy-in to the space that's being designed and they have an understanding of why different decisions were made, there's a greater chance that they're going to be happier in that space and they know where they know why we made certain decisions. And the same thing with patient care. If I have an understanding of 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 why I'm getting certain medicines, what are they supposed to do for me? Why I'm supposed to be, you know, doing the rehab and the benefits to me? There's a greater chance that I'm going to take that medicine. I'm going to do that rehab, and I'm going to actually participate in in my own you know, wellness as opposed to just saying this stuff better work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's definite parallels between the two. Yeah. Well, one other thing, you know, kind of go back to some of your, your earlier points, you, you talked about healthcare organizations who have some form of a lean program and, and realizing that could mean a lot of different things in a spectrum of, of experience <laughs> with lean or commitment to lean. Um, do you, do you see, Kind of a wide spectrum. Do, do people tend to have a fairly advanced approach to lean to be at a point where they're reaching out and asking for lean design? Or do you have people who are at earlier stages who maybe see this as a way of getting started? And you know, within that spectrum, do you have any reflections on, uh, it, I mean, this isn't the, the, right, what, the right way of asking the question of, you know, who, who is more successful with this lean approach to design and construction? I think ideally they're all like deep into their journey that we can just support it, mm -hmm. right? But I will take anything yeah. <laughs> or any just the idea that an organization is, is trying to do their best to be better than they were yesterday is a good step in the right direction. And sure. it it helps me do my job better for them to be to be positive about thinking about how they do the work today and how they want to do the work in the future because that's that's a big stepping stone to get over because a lot of um, organizations are just fix just fix my problem now instead of going through a journey to figure out why it why it is the way it is and and how they can actually um, change their culture a little bit to make to make the change happen so yeah ideally I would love to be with, with the organizations that are farther on their journey so that we can use their information. But we've done everything from, um, you know, we have some that are just, just starting out and maybe their culture doesn't 100% support um, lean process, process improvement organization-wide. But this new department that they're doing, they want to make sure that they um, go through the, the project that of thinking about um, process before they design, and you know we'll we'll help them along. We'll do their um, current state for them. We'll support them. We'll give them the information. Um, we'll coach them through their journey, and do our best to create a create a space that's that's flexible to that journey, mm -hmm. and um, can can support where they're going. And then we work with really highly sophisticated. Um, organizations that 
you know, are already doing their own operational modeling and have full detailed value stream maps before we even start, and that just takes it just to a different level. Um, we can respond to that that differently, but it's kind of full range in, in between. I think most hospital systems these days. I don't I don't have a fake statistic or real statistic to throw out there. I think the last time I read an article, it was like in the 50 to 60 percent have, or at least, you know, saying the words yeah. <laughs> at this point, but it's probably way higher than that. Um, I think all of them, m most hospital systems that we've worked with recognize that there's opportunities to improve um, their patient care by looking at process. Right. But yeah, uh, we're probably in, in agreement that knowing the words is a good first step. And, uh, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're both uh, in, in trying to help move people along in, in that journey, in that process. Um, one, one question, this is more about just technology or the types of things people might ask you about. You know, I, I love the process of doing uh, the mock-ups, the full-scale mock-ups, um, the walkthroughs, the simulation of, of the work with cardboard. Um, do, you, do you have anyone push back and say anything like, well, that seems really outdated. Where, where's the virtual reality technology? And um, I'm curious, if have you had that thrown at you or have you or your firm given any thought to that? Like, what, what do you think might happen down the road? Or do you think cardboard is uh, still a pretty effective way, even if that maybe seems old school to people. I I think that you know, we we've certainly used the that technology before, um, but there's something about physically touching things mm -hmm. and 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 physically being in a space and reacting with other humans because in the virtual reality world, it's the the thing that that's difficult. I can show you a perfect space and get you to feel like what it's in that space, but can I get you to feel like what it's like when you have a, you know, a three-year-old crash um, in that room and you have to work with the other people in that room to, to, make, to make sure that you can save that child and make sure everything that you need in order to do that is within close proximity. And th there's something about that even if it's just cardboard, but having the physical, the actual equipment there and having um, three-dimensional walls there that I can move, that always is more effective or always has been more effective than um, either the computer animations or um, using the virtual equipment. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's old school, but oh. I don't need any training to teach anyone how to stand in that space and how to react to it. <laughs> Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like when it comes time to make a change, the beauty of cardboard is that you just physically move it and you don't have to do any computer programming or, you know, it might be slower yeah. to do those iterations in a virtual reality environment. Right. And a lot of times you have to have the design a little bit farther along because you have to actually create something for, for that environment to react to. Whereas the cardboard, we can do sketches, um, and build it and have a pretty good representation within a day. Yeah. So how would you, how would you summarize um, some of the results or maybe, you know, there's certain case studies that, 
that you would point to, whether you can name names or not, about what the impact has been from going through this lean project delivery approach? I think um, I think the, the 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 best impacts are when organizations go through a big cultural change, um, and I can you know. Riley Hospital for Children, for instance, when they went from having multi-bay NICU rooms to to having single single bed um, NICU rooms for the um, NICU, that was a pretty big cultural change. There was a lot of fear there. There was a lot of apprehension from staff. They were worried that they could they weren't going to be able to see um, and and kind of share responsibilities between staff members. And I think them having the opportunity to go process, understanding where they wanted to go, kind of see a future for that, actually us physically create that space um, and walk through it, made that project more successful. Um, there were a lot of changes we did too. If, if you add the complexity of it being an integrated project where we had the people building the project on site, that there's a lot of small changes we made to increase visibility, um, decrease costs so we could spend money elsewhere that led to them having a better space. Um, Akron Children's, we had a lot of the same instances. We um, had a design for the OR that was everyone loved in kind of sketch form. And when we built it out of cardboard, everybody hated it. You know, based on this well-loved uh, progressive model that another large children's institution has got a lot of press over. So, you know, we we did as close as we could to that, and when they when they got into the space, based on how they operate, how they wanted to operate, and kind of the culture of how they work, it was a disaster for them. Mm -hmm. So in a traditional process, if we would have actually built that based on how happy everyone was with those sketches, we would have been renovating it almost immediately. Mm -hmm. So there, there are a lot of success, success, success stories specifically I think when people are looking at drastically changing their model and giving them the opportunity to, to test that, is that really going to work for you? Does that work for how you, your, your organization is, your community is, how you want to practice going forward? Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of cost conversations that we could have about spending money in the right place, spending money in, on behalf of patient care, about taking care of your staff, um, and we're able to negotiate a lot of that better when we can have those conversations up front, and we can only do that in that kind of environment. Yeah, and there's a lot of great information, you know, it's kind of scanning back through the HKS website and some of the case studies. Mm -hmm. There's a good write-up here that you wrote about Akron Children's Hospital. You know, I would encourage listeners, go to hksinc.com or, or do a Google search for HKS Lean. Uh, project delivery and uh, there's there's a lot of good stuff on the website and there's also a book that that I've seen um, that was published by the Akron Children's Hospital people called um, I don't know if it's L cubed or L3 but lean operations lean design lean construction uh, building a lean hospital facility um, what are there other one other question I was gonna ask you to wrap up what what resources do you recommend, because you, you mentioned going, going back and reading the Toyota Way when you were starting with this eight or nine years ago, there probably was not a book on quote unquote lean design or lean project delivery. 
maybe there was something on lean construction, but what, what are some of the different resources you would recommend for people to go and learn more today? So there are, um, I, I think a lot of the, a lot of the resources that we use just for general lean education are good um, for lean design and construction. Um, LCI, the Lean Construction Institute, has actually published a couple of books, um, most recently a book called Transforming Design and Construction, which has a series of white papers. You can also get to those from their website if you don't. You can actually buy the book from the website or you can download some of those white papers. There are also um, this October publishing a book um, about t target value design and both of these books were written by um, a collaborative group of, of people that are actually practicing so um, and then they were edited uh, by a executive editor or editors depending on the book but check those out um, those are pretty specific on how um, Lean's being applied to design and construction. Lean, the Lean Construction Institute website is a good resource too for other other publications and white papers and um, research studies. So um, that's a good resource as well. Yeah, and it's um, it's totally self-serving on my part to mention, but Bernita, you are helpful uh, with, and you're quoted in um, the third edition of. My book, Lean Hospitals, where it's a uh, you know admittedly you know small chapter compared to some of these other uh, great books out there that focus more fully and deeply on um, lean design or, or lean construction. But um, I would recommend that to people. I, I think I'll, I'll make a PDF of that chapter um, available on uh, the blog post for this episode, where you can see a few comments from Bernita, a little bit of the summary of the Akron. Children's Hospital story and um, and their results. So thank you, Bernita, for you know helping me out with uh, with that chapter and uh, for the sure. work that you're doing out there. Thanks. And um, you know, with that, um, I guess we'll we'll go ahead and wrap up the podcast for today. Um, if people want to reach out, if they've got questions for you, what do you recommend in terms of uh, some ways for people to be able to uh, reach you? Um, they can email me at bbikeman at hksinc.com. Um, that's a good way to get a hold of me. And um, again, as I mentioned, there's a lot of great information out there at hksinc.com, um, the website for HKS Architects. So, Bernita, it was really nice talking to you today. Thank you for sharing um, some of your, your perspectives and helping educate the listeners here. Um, about the use of lean and, and building better, more effective hospital buildings and, and clinic buildings. I, I was curious if you have a, a final thought um, to, to leave with the listeners. Um, just, um, you know, encourage the facilities that you work with to, um, you know, try to improve how they work and, and, and make, make what we do as, as design professionals actually support that work so that we as a group can really make the patient experience better. Well, it's an important goal and, and thanks again for everything you're doing to help people um, reach those goals. Thanks again, Bernita. Thanks. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.